0: what is up everybody welcome to the perfectly blended podcast on today's show we're having another amazing interview and that's coming up when right now thank you so much for joining us on the perfectly blended podcast this podcast is for blended families for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future perfectly blended exists to break the stigma of divorce drop the shame and guilt holding you back, and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. Welcome to today's show. I am one of your hosts, Josh, here with the most incredible female on the entire planet and beautiful and wonderful and pleasant all the time. And her name is Christy. The Pleasant is a lie. Whoa. All the time. Whoa, she's called me a liar on her own show. <laughs>
1: how are you today? The Pleasant all the time is a little stretch.
0: Those of you that know me know
1: that. <laughs> I'm Pleasant most of the time. <laughs> We're <So>. moving on.
0: <laughs> so how are you today? I'm good. Are you good? Yeah. Good. Well, on today's show. We have somebody that we have never had on before. We not only have never had this person on before. Yeah, Don't be looking funny faces. Okay. This person is actually part of a ministry that Christy and I have been part of that's made a huge yeah. difference in our life. And so we're excited to talk about that. Yeah. So let me give you a little intro about who this person is. She has worked over 10 years in recovery, right, in the recovery community. Five years as the director of Celebrate Recovery in Madisonville. She's published author of Fifty Shades of Truth, which we'll talk about today. Traveled across the country sharing her testimony and speaking at dozens of churches. Her and her husband do a lot of this stuff together, which is pretty awesome. They speak at recovery groups and women's conferences. Uh, she, uh, She says, I thrive on spreading hope and truth, which we absolutely love. Sharing the freedom I have experienced because of Jesus and the tools of community and mentorship. And without further ado, we want to introduce to you today, Nicole Thompson. All right, everybody, we want to have a very special welcome to Nikki Thompson. Nikki, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: We're excited, too. Yeah, so this is really (laughs) awesome, guys. So just so everybody knows, whether you're watching or listening right now, you if you've been part of our show for a while you know that a big part of who we are is of course our faith but connected to that is our recovery and so today's a real special thing so we've been part of Celebrate Recovery for about six years now and so we've had an opportunity now to connect with Nikki and Nikki has some special connections with that which we'll get to here pretty soon Uh, but this is going to be a real special near and dear to our heart uh, interview today because we're very our past crossed in such special ways and so we're just excited about it so Without further ado, do us a favor and let everybody know a little bit about who you are. Okay.
2: Uh, Nikki Thompson. I am this December. My husband and I will have been married since the first time for 24 years. Mm -hmm. We are a blended family of nine children. Mm -hmm. He had six, I had two, and we had one together. And uh, we were married for three and a half years, divorced for three and a half years, and now we have been remarried for over 16 years following Jesus as the the head of our house. And so um, having done it without Jesus and with Jesus, I can say it's way better the second time around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love
1: it. Yeah, we agree. Love it. <laughs> <With> that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Only I've been married. I was married once before. He was married once before and we were not with Jesus. And then we didn't remarry those people. We married each other and now we have Jesus and it's always like better with Jesus. Always put God at the
0: center and.
1: Yeah, because makes it better
0: because we're blended. Right. And of course, you know, we're a blended family and Christy has two and I have two. And now that we're in the later stages of our blend, I mean, we've been together for 11 years, but Christy's youngest now is 18. My oldest is 25. We just had our first grandbaby. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been able now to reflect back on so many of the things. And it's weird how when you're going through it, which we're going to have you share your story in a minute. But as you're going through it, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, as you're grinding through it. But afterwards, you're like, wow, a lot of these things that I didn't realize would work, work. And what we can say as a, as a 100% fact is that keeping Christ at the center of our lives all the way around, our marriage individually, with our children, with our workplace, has made hands down the biggest difference to us. Mm-hmm. I agree with that.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story. You have such an incredible story. Why don't you go ahead and share with our okay. listeners and viewers that, please?
2: So I met my husband when I was 20 and I already had two boys and he had custody of five of his six kids and he had been sober and clean for a couple of years, was just an excellent man, hard worker, you know, come on, 25 years ago, who has custody of their kids. Mm -hmm. And so he, a true man of integrity, his yes meant yes, his no meant no. And I quickly fell in love with him. We dated for like maybe six months and we're married. And uh, no drinking, no smoking, no drugs, uh, didn't allow it on the property, prayed before meals. You know, we were your typical, I mean, good family, I, I would mm-hmm. say. So we were married, we had our son uh, in 2000. So we spent about a year blending all these kids and we had our son and that literally made us seven boys, one girl under the same roof. And so uh, I was the YMCA mom, took the kids to swim lessons. We were very busy, very active. And the kids were uh, 12 and under. So the first couple years of our marriage. And um, so no teenagers yet. But when we had our son, Freddie, God blessed us with a construction company. And with that construction company came like major money, like thousands and thousands of dollars every week. And my husband thought that he was going to be able to bless his old workers, that we were going to be able to go back into places he had been freed from, and that we were going to bless them with our family-friendly sober lifestyle but we have since learned that bad company corrupts good morals. And so soon the people that we sought to influence, their bad, shady character, lifestyle traits began to wear off on us. And soon uh, nights turned into weekends away from home. There was infidelity, there was uh, drug dealing, lying, eventually um, drug arrests. Our children became wards of the state. And uh, eventually we separated. And after we separated is when we both ended up relapsing. You know, I had smoked pot in high school and I had drank um, before our marriage, but, you know, didn't do anything while we were married. And he was just dealing while uh, we were married to these different workers. And so basically um, within four months of my husband's relapse, He was facing 96 years in prison. Mm -hmm. And so um, I always laugh. I always like to tell that story how it came about. Cause I'm a pretty naive and a pretty innocent person, I would say. Like I said, I had only smoked pot and drank, but um, my learned coping mechanism was drinking. Uh, That's something my mother had always done. And so that's how I knew how to deal with the pain. So separated, divorced, three kids, three different dads, really struggling. I found myself in the bars at age 24. And back in 2002, a song came out and it was called Housewife by Dr. Dre. And it talks about how you can't turn a certain kind of a woman into a housewife. Mm -hmm. And so what that told me in my mind was my husband didn't want a housewife. He wanted someone fun to party with, or at least those were the thoughts that Satan was handing me. And so I called my husband up and I said, I know that you're doing meth and I wanna get high too. And so um, I just remember he brought it over that night I was instantly addicted. Um, I loved the way that it made me feel, how I could party all weekend and get up and go to work on Monday morning. The look that it was creating as I shed those pounds of unwanted weight, because often when when we get cheated on as women, that's what we think, oh, if I would have been prettier, if I would have looked better, Mm -hmm. then he wouldn't have looked the other way. And so there were all these different things that were happening in my drug addiction, the initial stages of it. But then when you add him becoming arrested and going to prison, it just, the enemy really had a field day with me. Uh, the lies, you know, um, bitterness, anger, Tony instantly turned to what I believed was jailhouse religion. Mm-hmm. And I was getting all these letters filled with scripture where he was completely owning everything. Uh, he would say stuff like, I should have been the, a better spiritual leader of our household. And like, I just, I didn't understand what he was saying. And um, quite honestly, I didn't want to listen to it. I felt like you had your shot and you blew it. You picked other women, you threw it all away. And I did that now, because of celebrate recovery and working my steps, I know to justify um, blaming him and to not have any ownership as to why I should have I should have, you know not just allowed myself to go down this hole. Mm -hmm. of just craziness you know so for three and a half years i just became a pretty horrible meth addict with my three little kids Mm -hmm. and um i don't recall very many days staying sober to be honest if i couldn't find meth then i would look for you know marijuana if i couldn't find that then i went to the liquor store i would imagine in that three and a half years there was a handful of times where i wasn't intoxicated in some way shape or form Because by the time I got towards that last year of my addiction, um, I had gotten on the needle. And Mm -hmm. you get to the point where you're so ashamed and you're in that morning after of guilt, shame, remorse. I don't wanna do this. I hate this. I'm better than this. I know I can quit. I'm gonna white knuckle it. But then without having the tools or anyone there willing to confront me and love Mm -hmm. me into a better life, i just it was it was a horrible horrible cycle so he got out of prison uh and showed up at my doorstep and i was like oh my gosh he is here to judge me look at him looking at me he's disgusted by me at this time i'm probably about 140 pounds really skinny just like a skeleton Mm -hmm. um and i'm sure that i had track marks in my arm up until that moment he didn't know that i had gotten on the needle And so Tony had custody of his kids when I met him and didn't go for his exes, you know, using drugs and and things of that nature. And so I knew he wasn't going to approve of my lifestyle. And so those thoughts were, he will take Freddie from you. And once he takes Freddie, they will come take the other kids. And so I was about to slam the door in his face and Freddie comes running in and Freddie was five years old. And um, Freddie was like, daddy, daddy, you know, just excited to see him. And so I was like, fine, let's get this lecture over with. Let's go in the kitchen. And we sit down, Freddie's jumping off the hook. He will not sit down. He will not be quiet. And I'm getting very annoyed because I don't have drugs. I don't have alcohol. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't
2: have anything just to like, chill me out, I guess you would say. And I didn't have any money. So I had no idea like what this Friday had in store for me anyway. And so before I knew it, a whole slew of curse words came out my mouth as I told Freddie, my five-year-old, get the bleepity bleep bleep in the other room. I don't want to hear. And then my five-year-old just hangs his head down and big old crocodile tears well up in his eyes. And he's just looking at me like, why, mom? And my husband's like, Freddie, come here. And he puts his hand up in my face to stop me from saying another word. And he picks Freddie up and he just, he holds him. And he starts to rub his back and he starts to like pet his little hair. And he's like, Freddie, mommy and daddy love you. And mommy and daddy really want to hear what you have to say. But first, mommy and daddy need to talk. So we need you to be the obedient little boy that you are. Go in the other room. And when mommy and daddy are done, we'll come listen to what you have to say. And so he gave Freddie a hug and he sent him in the other room. And he told me, he said, Nikki, this world's going to beat our kids up. It's our job to call out the good, to speak life. And Freddie is a good boy. And I just sat there in amazement. You know, guys, I had never witnessed the love of God. I had never seen Romans 2, 4, the kindness and goodness of God draws man in, woos us, causes us to want to repent. I had never seen the fruit of the spirit. On display like that. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, but most of all, self control. Because how much self control does it take when someone curses out your five year old who doesn't deserve it, and yet you teach them a better way to respond? instead Mm -hmm. of shaming them, guilting them, and truthfully giving them what they deserve. Because I deserved to like, hear something. (laughs) And, you know, we're so used to that in the world. And that's what Satan tells us, that people are going to thump their Bibles at us. They're sick of you. They hate you. They're they're disgusted by you. But that's not true. That's the love of God shed abroad. I mean, it draws all men in. Mm. And so... um, that day he made me want what he had and i and i knew it was real it wasn't jailhouse religion yeah like it like what the enemy had tried to do by causing that wedge by making me angry by just keeping that strife and hatred stirred up inside me um that was all washed away mm-hmm. like in that day cuz there's lots of people that are like i can't believe you trusted your husband again well when you can see a change and And for a lot of people, the hardest part for me, mentoring women in Celebrate Recovery is I got to see the change. He asked for forgiveness and I got to see it. And so it was super easy. And so often when we're doing our amends you know, we don't necessarily get to see all that play out. Yeah, We don't know when we're asking for forgiveness or even when we deserve forgiveness, if we're ever going to get that this side of heaven. And so I consider myself very blessed how God, and, and the thing was, I didn't say this, but when he was in prison, he would send me these letters, sign love always and forever your husband. And we were divorced. Mm-hmm. And he later told me he was standing on Romans uh, 417, calling those things which be not, as though they already were. He was bringing God into remembrance of his word to restore our family, that God is a redeeming God, that, that he likes to fix the broken pieces when we give them to him and so that's what he did for three and a half years he prayed for me he literally just sat at the feet of jesus learning how he could be a better leader a better husband a better father and um praying for me and so when he got out i could really see the change and so that's my desire as a celebrate recovery leader that's my desire whenever we go share I read the Romans two, uh, two four. I love the Passion translation; it's my favorite. And then I just pose that question: you know, can we be the kindness and goodness of God on display for our non-believer friends, so they want what we have, and for our believer friends, so we're a safe, authentic place where Holy Spirit can woo them to a place of repentance if they're struggling with something, because mm-hmm. nobody wants to go to someone who's not loving and gracious. And so, um, yeah. And so now for 16 years, we've just been chasing the Lord. Um, God restored our marriage. We did get remarried. Uh, I didn't quit meth that day. I wanted to. Yeah. That's uh, what I was going to
1: ask you like after that. So what happened? Like (laughs) you were just Um, like, I'm done. No, I'm done. You know? And then, so
2: I was, I was like, yes, I'm done. No more. And then, um, the phone calls came and the free drugs and just yep. that target, that bullseye that Satan has on your back yeah. because he paroled out to Kankakee, Illinois, five hours north. I'm in Evansville, Indiana, still where I've been in active addiction for three and a half years. And so I relapsed three different times over the next 30 or 60 days. And cause he got out in April. And then my clean date is May 29th, 2006. So when I relocated to where he's at, completely changing people, places, and things, dropped the phone, dropped the phone number. Um, I didn't get face. MySpace was out then, but I didn't get back on MySpace or Facebook for six years or five years. I did the sobriety thing for five full years before I even opened that door. and And it wasn't fearful. I just like, I didn't miss it. The boys yep. kept me busy, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Like, I mean, and you don't know what you're missing if you don't have it. And I was just busy with my kids.
1: Well, yeah, you had a lot of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, people that have one can't say that. But when you have a gaggle of them, I mean, you can for sure yeah. stay busy.
2: Actually, yeah. we got clean, the most that we had at one time under the roof was five. So not horrible. Um, Normally, almost, I would say at least 80% of the time, we have always had four. We've had the youngest three and then one or two of his older kids. And so I've had to homeschool. I've done a couple of years of homeschooling. The whole no child left behind, left one of our kids a little bit behind. Um, We chose Christian schooling for middle school and high school. Uh, That was just something that we had prayed about. And God opened a great door with a a school that we were able to barter in exchange for their tuition. And um, so my husband cut the lawn and I worked in the kitchen. And, you know, it was the best thing ever for me, for us. Like I just granted, you know, everyone would say, oh, there's some, there's, you know, bad eggs everywhere. Yeah. But when you get to have adults praying for your kids who are genuinely interested in their inner man, in their heart. For me, that made it worth it. Yeah, that made it so worth it.
0: So, did you were either you or your husband? Did you guys grow up in a a family with church involvement at all? Yes.
2: So, I was brought up Lutheran. My dad. I was raised. I was stayed with my dad till I was fourteen, and we never missed a Sunday. Like he was big. Um, You never miss a Sunday. I was at church every Wednesday night. Sang in the choir. Uh, My dad was. My dad never brought a woman home. Uh, he didn't drink. He didn't do drugs. I was brought up in a small town where everybody knew everybody. I had an amazing upbringing, if if I'm honest. But when I moved to Evansville, Indiana at 14, my mom, she had her doctorate in clinical psychology and she worked at a group home. And so she would leave on Friday night and she wouldn't come home until Monday morning. and no 14 year old left to their own devices in a town of 250,000 people is going to make right choices. Mm -hmm. I just, I I don't think that that, I mean, you can say that your kid is the best kid and believe that, but without them knowing why they believe what they believe, I just, I didn't have a strong foundation. And so my freshman year, I started drinking, smoking pot and sleeping with the neighbor boy. And so that just, you know, led, I was pregnant at 16 with my oldest by a one night stand. And, um, I hurried up and graduated high school early, got into college and then had this second boyfriend with whom I lived with. Again, not really very many convictions about it. Right. And, um, ended up pregnant again and there was infidelity in that relationship multiple times. And so when I met my husband, Again, my learned coping mechanism was drinking. I was 20, I was in the bar, brokenhearted, two kids, two different dads, 20 years old. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, here I am, I'm not with either dad. I just feel like a a loser, you know, whatever. And um, when I met Tony and he had custody of all of his kids, I was just like, I just instantly fell in love. Like, because I had these two boys that needed a dad. They needed someone to show them how to be a man to show them, you know, to help support me, to take care of me. And he had five kids. He had custody of five of his six. His oldest daughter never lived with us, but a couple of them had never had homemade Rice Krispie treats. They had never made homemade stockings for Christmas. They, like there were all these things that I just felt like all families did that they had never done. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that God had put us together even though we didn't really, we weren't part of a church family. Mm -hmm. Like um, we sent the kids to church and we went on major holidays, but we were not part of a small group. And that is, I believe, part of the biggest problem with the relapse, you know, three years later, that the Bible tells us when you clean your house of an unclean spirit, it goes out and searches the dry arid places and finds no rest. But then it comes back and it finds your house clean, swept, put in order, but empty and therefore it brings back seven more wicked than the first. That's what relapse looks like. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be drugs, doesn't have to be alcohol, it can be porn, it can be a work addiction, it can be, you know, you can honestly works. Like people in church, they can put works in front of actual relationship with Jesus and yeah. that intimate time sitting at the feet of Jesus to hear from him and they can just be busy achieving things. Yeah, And so um like, we can make an addiction or an idol out of almost anything.
1: Anything. So we've got
2: to fill our house yard work. I yeah.
1: mean, around here, it's like our neighbors like idolize their yards
0: five five times a week mowing their lawn. You know? it's,
1: I mean, literally, yeah. we could make idols out of anything. Yeah. It's it's Absolutely. that's why we need Jesus so bad. Yeah. At yeah. the
2: front.
0: Yeah. yeah. So how are you? How are you using what God has done in your life right now? To help other people, in what ways are you doing it? Other and, your than, husband, and your husband, and your husband, yeah, we're not going to leave him. Yes. Even though he's not here, we're going to leave him out. <laughs> but uh, what, what, other than celebrate recovery, like in what ways are you are you serving? Well, um, so nine years ago, we were
2: asked to move to New Orleans to plant a church. My husband co-pastored a church with old friends of our family, and so we loaded our kids up and we went to New Orleans, and um, that was a very challenging, hard, growing time for us. And in 2016, as our oldest went away to um, Christian college and um, my second oldest was like 17, he was about to move out on his own and all we had was Freddie, Uh, we felt God calling us to the Midwest to share our testimony because we could see that marriage was under attack. Um, I believe 2015 or 2016, several of the states legalized um, gay marriage. And so we felt like marriage was under attack, biblical marriage. Um, When I was on drugs and when I was promiscuous, I was very loose. And I, for a small season, thought that maybe I was lesbian. Mm -hmm. And again, that was a bunch of the mindset of the enemy um, infiltrating and planting seeds because he likes to twist scripture. Mm -hmm. And so all of those things that the LGBTQ come out at, Christians with well isn't God a god of love and doesn't God want me to be happy and doesn't his word say that he's going to give me the desires of my heart well those are all scriptures that are twisted just a little bit mm-hmm. um but enough to almost make it sound like you know God would be for it but he's not God, and it's not just that, it's any sexual immorality. Right. And So I, I'm always very cautious when I say that because it doesn't matter what your struggle is, it's about submitting it to God. Yeah. It's great to have Jesus as savior, but is mm-hmm. Jesus your Lord?
0: Yep. And yeah. when he's
2: your Lord, that means you're gonna die to your flesh. So, um, sorry for that rant. But in 2016, we felt like God wanted us to share the restoration of our marriage we were not gonna talk about the lesbian thing. We were mm-hmm. only gonna talk about prison, drugs, and God restoring our marriage because um, it's kind of taboo in churches. Yeah. Can be very judgmental and I I was scared, to be honest. For 10 years I had been clean and everyone wants to give you a high five when you say you don't do meth anymore. You right. don't drink alcohol anymore. We yeah. don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Good job. Yeah. But when you start talking about, and I haven't sexually acted out, Ooh, what? Like, where, like where'd Like, where that come from? Yeah. And so yeah. um, I just, uh, we knew God was calling us to the Midwest. We wanted to be closer to the adult children. They mm-hmm. lived here in Evansville. So we're in Kentucky and our South. Um, I had cousins who said, hey, you can live in our mother-in-law suite. We won't charge you any rent while you're in ministry. So initially we set out, we started going to some different recovery houses, rehabs, we launched our 501 C three, which is called prisoner to preacher. And, um, so we were going to like go into the jails and do all this stuff. Well, when we shared with the pastor here, he mentioned that this town that we're in had tried to have uh, celebrate recovery multiple times and it had never lasted. Uh, six months at the most, you know, just couldn't, get, which it takes consistency and some time. So we are on our fifth year and um, we average anywhere between 30 to 75 people, just depends. Um, sometimes I'll have 20 kids in my children's, um, the kids' ministry, because I have a lot of moms that come. Mm-hmm. I have to have a couple of paid daycare workers on staff. And then I have church volunteers that come in and teach the celebration station lesson. And so um we started running the celebrate recovery. We had the prisoner to preacher. We were speaking at a couple of jails and rehabs. And I just really felt this push that God was challenging us to talk about sexual integrity mm-hmm. and honor and just, you know, our identity in Christ. And you know, the more that I met and counseled my young moms, the more I found out that so much of my story was their story. Mm-hmm. When you, when you struggle with meth and you're in a loose living world and you're yeah. promiscuous, you know, and um, the the thing is, I share this in my book. So I wrote a book about it, overcoming homosexuality and methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. And in my book, 20 years ago in two thousand two, when I first started using drugs, there was a, another song. Music is a big part of my book and the song was made by a Russian music producer who said mm-hmm. that he wanted to see more underage porn. And so he hired a group, a 14 and a 13 year old little girl to kiss in the rain in little school girl uniforms. Oh,
1: man. And
2: that was the first music video 20 years ago on VH1 that I watched And all of a sudden, the first thought of lesbianism popped into my mind as a 24-year-old grown woman, had never thought about it before. Hmm. And so this is my warning to parents. If that happened to me 20 years ago, before the smartphone, before Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, swipe right and hook up, um, all of these apps where people can just sleep together like it's nothing i mean there's so much against our kids and we act like they're good kids though and i'm sure they are but the enemy's smart and he's after them and he wants to destroy them and if we don't start you know one day we're going to give an account when we stand before god and so i feel charged to warn as many parents as many church leaders as many pastors as many spiritual mothers and fathers as i can that there are seeds, not just of life, but of death that are being planted through the media. You know, they, yeah. we call Satan the principality of the airwaves. I mean, we've, we've really got to wake up because yeah. our kids are fighting. And if we don't fight for them and protect their eyes, protect their hearts when they're in our home, then who will? Yeah. And if we don't, so, so I'm just super passionate about it. Yeah. And so, um, the book, 50 shades of truth got birthed Um, in the title. So I've got one. So in 50 shades of truth, truth is made up of lies, which is the lies that the media pushes because the media tells us everything that the world and the God little G of this world tells us instant gratification. you can do it. You're not hurting anybody. It's your body. It's your choice. You know, all of those lies that the enemy tells us. And if we don't start saying that's not God's best, Yeah. This is what God's desire is for you. We're going, I mean, we see it in our schools now, like Mm -hmm. it, it is, it's seeping in everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, um, my book, I have it rated 18 and older. I would let a parent read it. I would have no problem letting my teenage girls read it. Um, but I, I encourage parents to read it first before letting their kids read it. But I'm, I really feel like, um, we have been sleeping for far too long. And like this this pot of boiling water has been going on for over 20, 30 years. Yeah. Like the agenda of um, the LGBTQ and indoctrination and the deadening of our senses, the deadening to sin, the deadening to right and wrong, the the Sodom and Gomorrah that we see rising up around us. I mean, we've really got to wake up.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree.
1: I do too. I was just actually having a conversation today. I was driving around today uh, with a coworker, and uh, she was bringing up and and she, she it's not that she doesn't believe in God, but she doesn't go to church. You know all the stuff there, and there's a difference between believing in God and being a Christ follower, right? And yes. I wasn't always a Christ follower, and she brought up, uh, you know, about how she's confused a little bit. You know, she's like, I'm not really sure how to feel about abortion and all mm-hmm. these things. She's like, I feel bad for the people that it's getting taken away from them, at least the choice. She's like, I don't personally believe in it, but I feel like people should be able to choose if they want to choose. And, and I told her, uh, cause I, she, she works for me. So, you know, I have to be politically correct too. And I'm like, well, without getting too much into, know my opinion and all of these other things i said you know that i'm a christian you know um, not everyone is a christian and i said but the hard part about it the longer and i become more and more of a christ follower it is dying to self and wanting to do what god wants you to do so our society is getting so much towards choice like everyone should be able to have their personal choice I'm like, we're getting farther and farther away from God and the worse and worse our society is getting. I'm like, that's our flesh that wants to do what we want to do, no matter what it is, uh, the sinful things that we want to do that is biblically against what God is telling us. He wants what's best for us, and he's laid out the guidelines Mm -hmm. for us to have the most fruitful, happy life, even if something bad happens to us, if we choose to follow his guidelines and his plans for our life and do the right thing according to his word in those things, everything will work out for a good. You can use it as a testimony. You can use it to witness to people. And she was like, oh yeah, I've never thought about it that way. I'm like, yeah, that's what it's about. It's about, yeah, this may be Someone was, I've never been put in that situation uh, about being raped and and at 14 and and being pregnant. I'm like, so I don't want to pretend to know what that feels like. But I do know that God would have a plan for that baby. And maybe yes. when that woman was a grown woman, older, and their mm-hmm. child was 15 years old, they could go together and witness to people for God's kingdom to, to help get people saved and lead people to Christ. I said, no matter what happens, God would work that out Mm -hmm. if they submitted over to him. And that's where our world is is missing. We all want to stand on our saying, I have the right. We don't. God, Jesus died for us to have the right to serve him. And uh, it's hard For Christians, it seems like, though, when we get in groups, uh, in churches, and things like that, to promote the love uh, of truth, the truth in love, in the way that it should be delivered, though. Like, me talking to a person one-on-one is simple. But then if she comes back and another Christian takes it wrong and they want to be more legal – than grace, Uh, it's spewing hate, more of hate at the person and turning them away from God. So I feel both sides have work to do. Like Christians, there's a lot of Christians that stand on their hilltops with their pitchforks Basically treating people that don't believe in God or maybe people that even say, I am a Christian, but I'm choosing to go this way. They treat them like they deserve to go to hell and no one deserves to go to hell. No one. Agreed. Not a single person. So I just, I think it's honorable. I think it's awesome that you guys are being obedient to God and, and, you know, getting those convictions and trying to stand for truth lovingly. Uh, hard. is hard to do. It's hard, it's hard to do because you get a lot of bullets you know at you and and if you're not saying everything the perfect way, that's why giving it over to God is the best way to do it. as long as you do a heart check and give it to Absolutely. God, you yeah. know, what will be will be.
2: Over the past um, the book published a year and a half ago, and so over the past year, we've probably traveled to about 40 different celebrate recoveries and shared our testimony. We do a dual testimony, um, just sharing what God's done. Mm. And then we've gone to, um, different churches, different recovery houses, different rehabs, teen challenge, and just been on different, um, mostly in the recovery community because of the methamphetamine and the porn. Yeah. And it's so prevalent and it's so prevalent. And so, um, like, I just, I really enjoy, I feel like this. I spent a lot of times being a cheerleader for the enemy, like getting a lot of people to do just behave in my debauchery. Mm -hmm. How can I not know the answer to the problem that they're experiencing and, and want to present it to them and want to share it to them? But most importantly, Christy, just like you said, presented in a kind and loving way. Yeah. Because yet again, I don't want to be used as a tool by the enemy Mm -hmm. to offend someone and turn someone off. Correct. And and so like this is my this is my approach with my book. This is our approach on our website, on everything. Look, if you're fine living the way you're living, I am not, I I do not go into the bars and say turn or burn, quit drinking. This is not what God wants for you. I wait until people come through my doors or people say, how is it that you go through what you go yeah. through and you're still chill? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. You've got all this, all that. How is it that you can handle what's being thrown at you and still have a peace about, or or why is it that you're happy? What is this always, whenever I pray, people laugh because I talk about praying about having a happy heart because God can see my heart. It mm-hmm. doesn't do me one bit of good if I'm faking it to make. And I'm not saying anything bad about that. But I, I want my heart to be pure and clean and, and happy. I do want to have a joyful spirit because I believe if I walk around looking like I'm sucking on a lemon, mm. nobody's going to want what I have That's it. and, and we have a good life. Like I, we have a great life now and, um, I'm so blessed. My kids are blessed. They will, they will share their testimony in a heartbeat about, you know, you know, they were 10, nine, and five when I got sober. And I'm so grateful for that. They're 26, 25, and Freddie just turned 22. And so I have one pre-med. I have one that's a general manager of a factory. He does excellent. He's actually being, he's training in Iowa. He lives out in Kansas with his wife and boy. And then my baby, he's in Italy right now. He's yeah. in the Air Force, crew chief engineer. I mean, it's awesome. like, yeah. Yeah. But I, I couldn't have given the, them that without Jesus, mm. without sobriety, without a, a changed lifestyle, without getting my focus off of the things of this world and onto life giving, you know, blessings and cursings. I set before you choose life that you might live, mm. you and your descendants. Like our choices aren't just about us, but they are about our kids and our grandchildren. How do you, wow. with,
1: with all of that, that you did that I'm just curious, cause Josh and I, you know, we have four kids between the two of us and both him and I, uh, hmm, my kids were, I think nine and seven when I got sober or just about nine and, and just turned seven cause they're really close in age. And, uh, you know, we've lived for the past 11 years, we've really became Christ followers out of the four kids. We have one that is like, I don't believe in God. I want, I, you know, I don't know how I feel about it. Everything's about Jesus with you guys, you know, and he's 20 and he's going to have to figure it out for himself. And we try to witness to him in loving ways, but out of all of your kids, out of all the changes you guys have done, does every single one of them, are they all like go God or
2: I wish um, okay not yet not yet. okay. And so um they're all they're all on their journey, they're all on their journey. yeah they, um, out of the six adult kids, mm-hmm. all of them but one has come to live with us over at at a time or two over the yeah. past um, 16 years, some have come and lived with us 10, 15 times, tried it for a little while, gone back out there, fell down a little bit. Um, and so I really struggled for a while when um, our daughter came to live with us, with the three girls, we got so close, everything was going so good. And within about six months she flipped and she went back um, to her hometown. And our relationship really hasn't been the same for the past few years, but God gave me a promise how can the prodigal return home if he doesn't know what he's returning home to? They have to experience that love to know that they're going to want that one day when they finally Mm -hmm. come to themselves. And that's our job to show them that unconditional love, Mm -hmm. the love of the father, the forgiveness of the father, um, without allowing it to, without enabling, without yep. hurting others, without, infl- you know, but still standing true to our values and our cores. When our kids come home, they don't get to share a bedroom with someone unless they're married mm-hmm. by God's word, husband right. and wife, you know? Yeah. And so we the kids have had to sleep separate and, and they just deal with that or they get a hotel and they stay in town.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's
2: okay too. Um, all three of my boys moved out at 17 because we wouldn't let them drive in cars with girls on regular basis. I was pregnant at 17. And so I was like, you can go on dates. You guys can meet. We let them drive in cars for prom, but we were very overly protective. And I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm sure we were probably a lot more law Um, And again, you know, these kids have now, you know, been gone. Freddie's been gone six years, five years. He moved out at 17. The others, you know, 10 years, going to college early, moving out. But our answer was in our home, we have to stand before God and give an account for what we believe to be right and wrong. And we are raising you up to the best of our ability, to the best of our knowledge, according to the word of God. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the story. And when you move out, you'll be responsible for your walk with God. And when you have children, you'll get to raise them however you see fit, however you believe it fit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, there were some hard years. I did um, Power of a Praying Parent a lot. I remember one time my kid literally, not like threw it hard, but he kind of chucked the book in the car. I mean, he was like, go ahead and write in a prayer journal about this mom. Like, I mean, they were nasty to me at yeah. times. And, and they're great now. I mean, yeah. for the most part, I have a relationship and we have the ability to call any of our children and talk with them. Yeah. Do a few of the older ones feel like we're Jesus freaks in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they do. Yeah. I'm sure they do. Um, Even my, you know, even the baby, the 22-year-old, Um, you know, he's over there in Italy and I, I'm continually... You know, talking to him, is there someone that's caught your eye and these girls are the devil? Well, if you would find one in church, it would be different. He's like, I'm not bringing children into this world. And, you know, so he doesn't have that confidence in God, And but it's there. It's, yeah. you know, there's seeds that I know were sown and planted, but um, I wish that they were all here on Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day and Father's Day sitting in church beside us. But the sad truth is they're not.
0: Yeah. Not, yeah, and let's be um, honest, right? Like, if you if you liked Deaf Leopard too much, someone would tell you that you're a Deaf Leopard freak. So that's just the way that it is. You <laughs> are loving Jesus so much that someone's like, yeah. "This person is a freak over this." And I think that's right. that's what we that's what we should shoot for, right? In a loving, caring way. And I, it really keeps yeah. reminding me as we keep talking through this of casting the net. You know, it's like you know, we're supposed to cast the net, which means we're just supposed to follow what God's asking us to do. And that means taking care of preparing the net, you know, getting our boat to the right location, doing these things, right? It's not about a matter of just taking and shooting Bible bullets at people. You know, there's no care and love in that. There's a lot of care of going out and finding your spot and throwing the net, but then your responsibility isn't to make sure these people get saved. It's not. It's just the love on them. It's not like, yes. oh, you didn't respond to me well. Now I need to turn it up a notch. And it's just yes. you know, so I love hearing you talk about this and you and your husband and how you guys are treating this ministry. It's just, hey, we're not gonna shy away from the truth, but we are gonna we are gonna love you with it all the way, you know, and that's yes. such a big deal. So as we wrap this up today, just do us a favor and, and let our let our listeners and our viewers know. Uh, where they can get in contact, where they can yeah. get to know a little bit more about you. Where would be the best location? For you?
2: Absolutely. So um, I'm on Facebook, Nicole Thompson. And so Nicole is N-I-K-O-L-E Thompson. And uh, we have our ministry website, which is prisoner with the number 2 preacherorg okay. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. All of our email and contact information is there. And then also the 50 shades of truth. So it's the number 50,
1: mm-hmm.
2: not the word. Okay, there we go, right? That's yep, yeah, go, 50 yeah. shades of truth.com. And okay. so um, that's got all of my information. It's got speaking t-shirts, books, um, and then the books on Amazon. But most of all, just for us, we're both on Facebook, Anthony and Nicole Thompson. And, and all of those, I believe all of our media, I had a friend, um, who helped me with my website. And so she put all of those quick links to, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all that stuff on there. And, um, I've made several YouTube videos, several of the sermons I've preached at different women's conferences are on there. Our testimony, our joint testimonies on YouTube, where we share it. Um, which is pretty scripted what we share for Celebrate Recovery because we send out what we're going to say yeah. um, because we review our testimonies before we let anybody in our pulpit. So I'm not just going to let anybody potentially trigger my people yeah. and I don't want to go out there and trigger anybody yeah. um, as well. But I think that we, again, are fooling ourselves if we act like this thing is not influencing people in a major way. Yeah. Because it is. It yes. is it's just as much an addiction as mm-hmm. anything else. Absolutely. And so with that, you know, we just have to remember we've got to continue to just behold Jesus yeah. because we are becoming what we're beholding. Yeah. And so the more time we're spending with Jesus, the more Christ-like we can be in order to love others and love them well.
1: Yeah. Because
2: without love, none nothing else matters. Yeah. Without love oh, it true. it doesn't matter.
0: Well, there's no better way to end than with that. So we'll make sure to put all the links down in the show notes. So whether you're watching us or listening to us, all you got to do is get on the show notes and you can get connected to Nikki, her husband, and the ministries that they're serving in right now. So Nikki, we want to thank you so, so much for taking your time and sharing your, your story and the hope of Christ on our show today. Thank you so very much.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Josh and Christy. Thanks.
0: What an incredible interview. We want to thank you so much for being here. We want to make sure that you do know we will have all of the links to Nikki's website and different areas where you can contact her down in the show notes. Do you have anything final you want to say? Before no, we bye. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye.
1: <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I just really like that uh, she you know, is all about Recovery and what Jesus has done, and I just find it interesting. You know, she's part of a blended family, and they're they're so um, into celebrate recovery and telling people about how you know God can redeem you. And I just really like the whole story. Yeah,
0: it's pretty powerful. So if you've never been on our show before and you actually made it this far, my wife is not four foot eleven. Okay, mm. just so we're all clear, she's had foot surgery and has it up, and we forgot to say that earlier. And I am, we did.
1: I know she's I like.
0: Oh, there it is! You can see the purple! It's the unaboot. It's called an Unaboo. So, I want to thank <laughs> you so much for being here, and we're excited that you were able to be here today, and we look forward to seeing you, yes you, next Tuesday at 7.
1: Bye!